In August of 2016, there was a fisherman in the Philippines. And he had swum down to uh, get his anchor unstuck from a rock below. He found an object down there he thought was kind of strange, so he picked it up and he took it back with him to his home. Every once in a while, he would uh, take that thing out and he would rub it for a little while just for good luck, you know, it's kind of just a little superstitious. Then he would shove it back under his bed. After a little while, about 10 years went by and he decided it was time to move. So as he was packing up, he found that object once again, and he said, I don't want to lug this thing around. I'm moving. I'm just going to give it away. Let me ask my sister sister if she wants it. So he asked his sister if she wanted it, and she said, yes, I'll take this thing. After a little while of owning it, she said, I'm going to take this down to the museum and see what this thing even is. It's strange, but I don't understand what it is. Well, she took it to the museum there in the Philippines, and she found out, much to her astonishment, that what she had in her possession was a 75-pound pearl. And according to NPR, its cost is, uh, its value is at $100 million. And for 10 years, this man lived in relative poverty while he had a 75-pound pearl underneath his bed. The next closest pearl they've ever found is only a 14-pound pearl. But imagine what he had. We're going to talk about this three-week series, The Forgotten Gift. And we're going to discover some forgotten gifts to the average Christian. And these are things that are of immeasurable value that we've hidden away in the dark. 1 Peter 1, verse 1. You can turn there if you have your Bible with you, have your phone. We always want to make it abundantly clear that this is all about the Bible. Peter, who's the author of the letter, starts off. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus, written to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied unto you. So we see here, 1 Peter is an interesting letter because it's not written to just one church. It's written by the Apostle Peter, that same guy, you know, that cut off that other guy's ear, right? The same guy that denied Christ and the one that after the resurrection preached at Pentecost, That same Peter. Well, this letter wasn't written to a church just like the church of Ephesus or Philippi. This letter was known as a circular letter, and it was intended to be passed around and spread throughout the whole region of young Christians. And Peter refers to them kind of in a different way. He refers to those young Christians as strangers or exiles. That means people without a land of of their own. And these Christians were most likely scattered because of the persecution that was going on. Peter refers to them as elect, which means chosen, set apart. Well, how were they chosen, set apart? It says by the foreknowledge of God, because God knows who will accept and who will reject him. Not only are these scattered people saved, they're also being sanctified, it says, by the Spirit. 
Sanctification is this process of becoming more and more and more like Christ. See, it's a foreign idea in the Bible to be saved without changing your lifestyle. A non-practicing Christian in the Bible would have been an oxymoron. See, the Bible assumes that once you're saved, you're going to begin to grow, change, and mature as a Christian. Once again, that's called sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ. Someone once said, though, that nowadays the task of becoming Christ-like rarely is taken as a serious objective that should be thoughtfully planned for. And I think that's true. Most of us live our lives as Christians by the seat of our pants, and if something kind of good happens in our walk, it kind of happens on accident. Rarely is it a goal that we set. Rarely is it an initiative that we uh, set out, and rarely is it intentional. But when was the last time that we decided to single out an attribute of Christ and decided to strengthen that area in our life? Holiness, humbleness, Grace, mercy, righteousness, wisdom, forgiveness. These are not just words that describe Christ. They're supposed to be words that describe you. The Bible assumes that if you've been saved for five years, that you would have been pursuing these characteristics in your life in obedience for five years. Once again, sanctification. See, it's not true that some of us are called to the ministry and other of us are not. God has called each and every one of you that is a Jesus follower, a person that's saved, someone that's born again, whatever word you want to use for it. If you are a follower of Christ, the Bible assumes that you're going to be in the ministry. You're going to use your gifts for God strategically in a place and a location for the mission of God. So what are you waiting for? If you're here and you're a follower of Christ, you've got to use your gifts. That's what the Bible assumes. And some of you may be waiting around, God hasn't told me to do that yet. Well, J.D. Greer says this about that. He says, stop looking for voices when you have verses. Stop looking for voices when you have verses. See, you don't need to pray about whether or not you need to witness to your friends at work. You've got a plethora of uh, verses that tell you to do that. You don't have to pray about breaking up with your lost girlfriend. Be not unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. You don't have to pray about whether you should forgive someone. No, Christ forgave you. Stop looking for voices when you have verses. See, we're literally all supposed to be missionaries. We've got to start acting like it because you have a mission. I have a mission. Start carrying ourselves like it. What if you lived in your neighborhood like you were a missionary to that street? I live in Arbutus Park. What if I began to live as if I was sent there by God to be a missionary to reach those people and to show them the love of Christ? You are as called as I am. My job title might be different, but the mission is the same. So these Christians that Peter is writing to have been scattered by persecution. It says here that they're saved, they're sanctified, and lastly, they are sealed. It says it uh, in the Bible like this, sprinkled by his blood. In the Old Testament, uh, that's how you sealed the sacrifice that was offered to God in the temple. So as far as God's concerned, you're saved and the issue is settled and you're signed and sealed. Once you make that commitment to Christ... 
once you call out in repentance and ask for forgiveness of your sin, and that might not be everybody here, but once you do make that choice, that lifelong choice, the Bible says you're sealed, and that's an amazing thing to know. Verses 3 and 4 go on to tell us some amazing things about our salvation, how we're made alive again with a living hope. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because if Christ can raise himself from the dead, then we can have faith that our future is secure. Verse 4 says that we have some awesome things to look forward to that will never fade away. In fact, this says this phrase. Verse 4 says that we're uh, reserved in heaven. Hey, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, then you've made a reservation in heaven that can never be canceled. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 1 through 7 are really good, and I encourage you to go back and study those and read them more closely. But next we're going to jump into this forgotten gift part, right? This, this gift that we've shoved under our beds even though it's priceless. Have you ever had that happen during the Christmas season where, you know, maybe it's uh, a, a gift gets shoved so far under the tree that you don't see it until all the other gifts are opened, and all of a sudden you walk by the tree and there it is. You see it kind of shining under there. And all of a sudden it's like, man, it's a bonus gift, right? This is really cool. Uh, it, it, you know, thought Christmas was over, but wait, there's more. A bonus gift. And we're going to see a bonus gift that many of us have left under the tree. 1 Peter 1, 8 says this. Though you have not seen him, he's talking to you here, right? If you're a believer, you're a follower, follower of Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, you've never seen Christ, but you love him. You can't see him now, but you believe, and soon you are going to see him, and the joy that you will have cannot be described. When you see Jesus in his full glory, it will blow your mind. Verse 10. Before we go on, you, th you thought Christmas was all about joy to the world and that first advent, but wait till that second advent comes. And the joy that you're going to see when you have that opportunity to see Christ face to face. Verse 10. This is where I really, I, I'm getting excited. You ready? Verse 10. Talk, talking about this salvation, concerning all these things, concerning this salvation. It says, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, it says, they searched and they inquired carefully. Have you ever thought about those Old Testament prophets, the ones that knew one day a Savior was going to come, a Messiah? They knew they probably weren't ever going to see it, but they hoped for it. And they looked for that day. And they studied and they searched the scriptures and they prayed that they could know what you know. The prophets of old, Moses, Elijah, Abraham, David, all of them wished they could get a glimpse of what you know. You know something that they didn't know. They knew little pieces of it, but you have the whole picture. See, we think about those men as heroes of the faith, and they are, but you have a more 
clear picture of who God is than they, than they ever got. See, we get to read about God walking on this earth and living like us. We don't have to wonder how God would treat an outcast or other races of people, the poor, the diseased, or children. We got to see that through Christ. Verse 11 goes on. It says, the prophets inquiring what a person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. See, the prophets that wrote Exodus and Psalms and Isaiah, they knew there was a reason to hope, and they looked forward, they believed forward to when the Messiah would come. But you have this gift that many of us have forgotten about. You possess the very words and works of Jesus Christ recorded, detailed, available at all times on your phone and in your Bible, and for many of us on a bookshelf collecting dust. See, they wished that they could see and know the glory of his death, burial, and resurrection. But they only have pieces, but you have the full picture. Think about how amazing of a gift that is. Verse 12 says, The prophets, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. It says when the, the prophets knew and they wrote about this Messiah, they knew they wouldn't see it themselves, but they were helping us and they were ministering to us. And because they were faithful to seek God and write things down, we have proof of more than 300 prophecies that Jesus Christ fulfilled with his life. Praise God for this gift to strengthen our faith. Verse 12 goes on with more says it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. This next part's awesome. It says this. All these things were things into which angels long to look. Another version says these things are things that angels desire to look into. What does that mean? That means you get to experience things that the prophets only dreamed about. And if you're saved and you have Christ dwelling in you, you have this thing that they never even got to experience. If you've become a Jesus follower, then the Holy Spirit speaks to you through gentle impressions on your heart. And you've experienced this burning fire of the Holy Spirit on your heart. The conviction of your sin to correct you and the burden on your heart to help someone. And it goes even as far to say this. Even the angels are interested in what you have. Isn't that amazing? These beings that uh, stand in the presence of God are interested in something that you have. They're curious about something that you possess. They want to know more about what you have. That's amazing. Okay, so we have this gift, right, that many of us have forgotten about. The words and works of Jesus Christ as contained in the New Testament. So what are we going to do with this gift? So the gift is his presence, Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 13, it tells, uh, tells us what to do with this gift. It says, therefore... Preparing your minds for action 
and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here it says, because of these gifts we've been given in Christ. It says to be sober. What does that mean? That means to be serious. It means to take this Christian walk seriously. Set out for real uh, accomplishments and real goals in your Christian life. Next it says, uh, prepare your minds for action. That means get ready to do something. Take this walk seriously. Be prepared. Next it says, hope till the end. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. Be more like Jesus because he's coming soon. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. What does that mean? It means don't live like you lived before you were saved. Don't live like a lost person. Grow up in your faith. You shouldn't have the same wants and desires and uh, passions as someone that doesn't have Christ. See, without Christ, people are ignorant of their sin. They don't know any better. Never get mad at a sinner for sinning. They can't do anything different. But you have Jesus Christ living inside you, and you have the words and works of Jesus Christ. So be holy like he was holy. Copy the actions of Christ. Study the scriptures, see what Christ did, and do that. Study the scriptures, see what Christ did, and do that. Let me say it one more time. Study the scriptures, see what Christ did, and then do that. See, with Christmas upon us, we're so focused on the first advent, but we've got to remember that that second advent is coming. Jesus is coming back, and we're commanded to be holy as he is holy. Verse 17. It says, if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. This verse is clear how we're supposed to pass the time here on earth. We've got to remember that you are an exile. You are a stranger. Do not get comfortable in this world. This world is not your home. We don't belong here. And it says to pass this time with fear, always being conscious that you don't have much time left on this earth and that one day your actions will be put before God. Verse 18 and 19, it tells us that we're bought with the price. That price was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Did God get all he paid for? Does everything in your life belong to Christ? What are you holding back? See, it was always the plan that Christ would die in your place. But you have the privilege to be born after it happened. Verse 20 says he was foreknown. Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in this last time for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. You have this special gift 
See, Jesus could have came as a 33-year-old man and died for your sin, but he didn't. He could have come in the year 3000, and you would have lived your whole life with only hints of who he was. But praise God, that wasn't what happened, right? We get to see the whole story, life, burial, uh, excuse me, life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. I don't know why we got chosen for this, that we got chosen to live after the Messiah. But have you ever thought about what an amazing gift that is? See, the gift is his presence. He came and he walked among us and he lived a life and he left us a a blueprint to live. The Old Testament prophets wished they had what you had. The angels are sincerely curious about the wonders that you possess and the relationship, this special thing that you have between you and God. See, you don't have to believe that someday something will happen. You have the whole story, the miracles, the garden, the thief on the cross, the stone rolled away, the 500 witnesses of his resurrection. You have a gift. So hope in God. Get ready. Be serious about being holy. Live like Christ, not like the world. Love Christ. Verse 22 tells us that because of the gifts that we've been given, that we're supposed to love each other with an unforced love. Love with a pure heart that stretches you, that makes you uncomfortable, where you're not really sure if you should forgive this person again, but you do it anyway. And you think there's a good chance maybe they're going to use me up again. Well, guess what? Jesus was broken and spilled out and used up for us. And we should do that for others as well. So we don't just love people that love you. Atheists can easily do that. That's an easy thing to do. There's nothing miraculous or supernatural about that. No, we must love like Christ loved. Love those that betray you. Because you've been given gifts. And now... We must be compelled to be gift givers. Many of us are living with a 75-pound, $100 million pearl under our bed. You are privileged to live in a time period where you literally have the words and works of Jesus Christ to model your life after. So you don't have to wonder what would Jesus do. You simply have to look at what Jesus did. You don't have to wait for voices from heaven. You have verses in your hand. See, the Bible assumes that once you're saved, you're going to grow and change and mature as a Christian. It's this foreign idea for the Bible that you would be saved and your lifestyle would never change. In fact, I believe the Bible would even question whether you really had it. To begin with, are you actively searching the Bible to change your character and saying, Jesus did this, how can I do that? Jesus didn't react this way, how can I begin not to react this way? I want to be like Jesus. You have a gift. Do you find things in your alone time with God and say, I'm going to work on this area, on this weakness that I have? I'm going to strive to be holy because Christ was holy. See, we're all called to be in the ministry. And if you're here and you've made a commitment to Christ and you are a believer, then you are a missionary. You are an ambassador, the Bible says. When people look at you, you represent Christ. 
Do we act like it? Do we live like it? Stop living like a lost person. I need to stop living like a lost person. Jesus is coming again soon. He bought us, so let's live like it. You have this amazing gift that many of us have forgotten about. The prophets wish they had what you had. The angels are curious about this relationship that you have with God. This gift is his presence. God with us. You have the example of Christ. You have the honor to know the words that Christ spoke, the works that Christ did. Don't leave them under your bed. Use it. Copy Christ, mimic Christ, impersonate Christ, imitate Christ. It's what you were made to do, to bring glory to God and represent him to this lost world. With every head bowed and eyes closed, worship team's going to come. You have a gift. We forget about it, though. Sometimes we read the Bible and we think, wow, man, if, if I could just see a burning bush one time in my life, then I would, I would never once again turn my back on God. How many times have you had a, a really close spiritual experience with God and as time fades, it becomes something that is just a distant memory? See, we don't have to rely on supernatural events that happened in the past like many of those Old Testament saints did. We get to see the words of Christ. We get to see the actions. We get to see this, for God so loved the world. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. They believed and they had faith. They had amazing faith that was great. But it wasn't because it was easier back then. Because their faith was big. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. Let's just dwell a second. You and God. On your relationship with him. Is it even a relationship? See, relationships are are two-way things. Yeah, God loves you, for sure. It's not a relationship unless you love him back. Just dwell on this forgotten gift. Have you left it under your bed? Something so valuable. You have the words and works of Jesus Christ. God lived and walked on this planet, and yet many of us have never cracked our Bible this year. You spend time right now meditating on that thought. Do you value this gift you've been given?